Ladies and gentlemen, to those among you who are easily frightened, we suggest you turn away now. To those of you who think they can take it, we say, welcome to the madhouse. Fuck around, let's get the hammer down. My name is Jimmy, and with us, with us, with me, it's Joey. Hello, there's voices in your head back. Yes. <laughs> Giving you a bit um, of a plural time. Yes, are you okay? I'm good, thank you. Apart from our glitch in the system of me not being able to see you on camera. Yes, it's very annoying. Yep. But it does mean that I can sit here in my uh pants so that's nice yeah that's more than you usually wear though so that's, <laughs> that's odd true. uh yeah i'm not gonna get any visual cues from you but that's fine ah we'll just muster on through we're gonna have to uh just deal with that monster as it comes at us oh very nice very nice that's as, topical as we have a look at another terence fisher classic the curse of frankenstein Lovely. And the curse of the madhouse is always technical glitches. We can keep tying this in somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, obviously, let's first... What What are you having to drink this evening? I have one choice today, so I can't let you choose. But I have the oh. dandelion and burdock that I didn't have last time. Oh, okay. Very nice, very nice. Hooper's dandelion and burdock. 4% volume. It's quite nice. What are you having? So I've been down the pub and I've had two pints of Lily's Sunset Cider. 6% flat fruity cider. Beautiful. Ooh, yeah. Nice. Very nice. But what I've got now, which I'm very annoyed that we don't have the video for because I was going to show you it. It's uh, it's called... Hold on, let me get it up so I can see what it's fucking called. It's called Viking Blood Cherry Honey Mead. Ooh, that sounds nice. Apart from the blood. Red as fuck. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to have a little swig now. Okay. I'll tell you what it's like. I've not tried it yet. I've literally cracked it open. Oh, okay. Ooh. Let me have a little... I've, I've got it in a tiny shot glass. I'm not going to shoot it. I'm just going to sip it. Breaking news now as Jimmy tries a drink for the first time. Oh, that's nice. Good. Out, out of five stars, what would you give it? Ooh, shit. I don't, it's not as good as the standard original honey mead, but I'd give it a four and a half. Four and a half out of five. Oh, Pretty good. That's nice. I'd give this a two and a half because it tastes okay, but it tastes very, it's synthetic, basically. Oh, yeah. It's not like a nice mead. Like I tell you what, I, also what I had the other week in a nice jar was apple pie moonshine. I think I was, did you post a picture of that to our group chat? Yeah, I did. Me shooting it into my face with a syringe. Uh, I think so, yeah. I remember it looked like you were having a good time. Uh, I don't remember. 
very strong. <laughs> very apple pie. Very alcohol. It just tastes like alcohol. That is nice. This is all right. I still got a little bit left. Does the job. Yeah. Fucks you right up. So we... Ah, so we, oh, shit. So, shall we talk about the <laughs> 1957 film that we're doing today? Yeah. That takes yeah. place in 1860. Nice. Lovely. In uh, Switzerland? Yeah. I didn't know you knew the original pronunciation. Well, you know me. I'm a man of many languages. <laughs> or languages. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what pronunciation was that? That's French. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, that's, that's first off, just uh, restate that this is a Terence Fisher classic. We've done uh, two Terence Fishers, I think, before. The Devil Rides Out and The Mummy. Yes. And he yeah. also did a hell of a lot of other Frankenstein films. The Revenge of Frankenstein and Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, etc. Classic. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's a good film. First Hammer Horror film. This was the first Hammer Horror film. I think so. Yeah, that's why. That's yeah. what I saw. I thought you would have known that. I was hoping you would clarify that for me. No, I think I think you might be right. Actually, yeah. Not I'm not 100, percent but I think you are actually quite right. And I'm not sure if it was this film or it was the Mummy that. Uh, Cushing and Lee like kind of bonded. I think Christopher Lee barged into Cushing's dressing room and was like, I have no lines in this film. And Cushing was like, you're lucky. I've read the script <laughs> in a very amusing way. <laughs> I don't know if it was this film. It might have been this film then. Yeah, I think... I can't remember if it's this or the mummy, but it was yeah. It's it's one where Christopher Lee don't speak, so it's either this or the mummy, isn't it? Should we do a paranormal graph and uh, yeah, okay, move on to Frights and Delights and uh, yeah. yeah, share some little tidbits? Hold on, let me have a little because I've also got I'm having a mead chaser, but I've also got a cider on the go. Okay, so let me just have a little quick swig. I like your t-shirt, by the way. It's very nice. Thank you. I'm. Wearing some Headstone Horrors merchandise, not the not the brand new stuff. This is a become a classic. This T-shirt, retro. It is retro. I am wearing the brand new one, which is annoying, but you can't see it. You wore a brand new one last week. Yeah, it's a different one though. I can go, I can rock through the merch. I can wear different sizes. Uh, day of the week. Sweet. Is that so anyway. that when you sell them on, everyone's got that authentic Jimmy smell? Yeah, they've just got a piece of meat with them. Yeah. Could be sweat, could be a little bit of hair, could be a little bit of semen. <laughs> yeah, the curse of Wankenstein is, is your Zoom name tonight. <laughs> yeah, I like that we both went for a Wankenstein. I went for Wankenstein's dongler. <laughs> and you've gone for the curse of Wankenstein. I don't like is the that fact a... that none of us have gone for Wankenstein. Oh, God damn it. But there's more Frankenstein films in the future. We'll pop that one in the back pocket. <laughs> Absolutely. Dongler, however, is an amazing word. Well done. Thank you. I think you made that up. I think you're like William Shakespeare of the Willy area. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think. I don't want Wankenstein's monster, but like it, monster could sound like penis, but I wanted to make sure it was obvious, and that's what I was saying. So, uh, yeah. Dongler. Right. 
Are you ready for Paranormal Graph? Baron Victor Frankenstein is awaiting execution for the murder of his maid, Justine. He tells the story of his life to a visiting priest. At age 15, the death of Victor's mother leaves him in sole control of Frankenstein estate. He agrees to continue to pay a monthly allowance to his impoverished aunt Sophia and his young cousin Elizabeth. Soon afterwards, he engages scientist Paul Klemp to tutor him. After two years of intense study, Victor and Paul begin collaborating on scientific experiments. One night after a successful experiment in which they bring a dead puppy back to life, Victor suggests that they create a perfect human being from body parts. Paul assists Victor at first, but eventually withdraws, unable to tolerate the continued scavenging of human remains, particularly after Victor's fiance, his now grown-up cousin Elizabeth, comes to live with them. Victor assembles his creation with a robber's corpse found on a gibbet and both hands and eyes purchased from charnel house workers. For the brain, Victor seeks out an ageing and distinguished professor so that the creature can have a sharp mind and the accumulation of a lifetime of knowledge. He invites the professor to his house in the guise of a friendly visit, but pushes him over the stair banister and kills him, making it look like an accident. After the professor is buried, Victor proceeds to the vault and removes his brain. Paul attempts to stop him, and the brain is damaged in the ensuing scuffle. Paul also tries to persuade Elizabeth to leave the house as he has before, but she refuses. With all the parts assembled, Victor brings the creature to life. Unfortunately, the creature's damaged brain leaves it violent and psychotic without the professor's intelligence. Victor locks up the creature, but, but it escapes and kills an old blind man that it encounters in the woods. After Paul shoots the creature in the eye, he and Victor bury it in the woods. However, after Paul leaves town, Victor digs up the creature and brings it back to life. Justine, with whom Victor has been having an affair, claims that she is pregnant by him and threatens to tell the authorities about his strange experiments if he refuses to marry her. He has her killed by the monster. Paul returns to the house at Elizabeth's invitation the evening before she and Victor are to be wed. Victor shows him the revived creature and Paul threatens to report him to the authorities. The monster escapes up onto the roof where it threatens Elizabeth. Victor arrives with a gun and accidentally shoots Elizabeth after seeing the monster grabbing her. She falls unconscious and without any more bullets, Victor throws an oil lamp at it, causing it to fall through the roof light and into a carelessly placed vat of acid, destroying all the evidence that it existed. The priest does not believe Victor's story. When Paul visits him, Victor begs Paul to testify that it was the creature who killed Justine, but he refuses and denies all knowledge of the mad experiment. Paul joins Elizabeth, who is waiting outside, and tells her there is nothing they can do for Victor. After they leave, Victor is led away to the guillotine. True that. <laughs> Was wondering who would do, do that joke first. <laughs> Good. Glad we're on the same page. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, I thought it was my intro for a while, and I was coming up with some kind of stop. 
it's hammer time type intro so i'm glad oh, you got God it in there damn it that just came to me as well fuck should have done that for my <laughs> intro ah that's why my intros are always so lame god damn it that wasn't lame it was fine anyway thanks it's time for frights and delights yeah yeah catch that this Price is delight. Come down. Price is delight. People come here for the wit, don't they? I think. That oh, absolutely. Not, they flood about, here for it. It's not even about the films anymore. It's, no. it's just that genius comedy. Right. Price and delights. Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee met for the first time in the set of this film. <laughs> Despite being in three films together before, which were Hamlet, Moulin Rouge, and Alexander the Great, they'd never actually talked to each other. I think Cushing had bigger roles, and Lee was a backgroundy type person. Oh, okay. Are you sure not Cushing didn't have a couple of little background roles in either of them, or did he play big characters? I, I don't know if all of them. Um, I think he had, it's like he had like a minor speaking role, but Christopher Lee was a guard stood in the background type thing. No, yes, you are right. Yep, yep, yep. It was Christopher Lee who was just like third guy from the left. Yeah. Yep. And they quickly became close friends after getting to know each other quite well on the set of this film. So there you have it. Friendship set in stone after being in a horror film together. They were actually two men, though, being considered for the role of the job of the monster. Did you see this? Two men. So it was Christopher Lee was one. Yep. And Bernard Bressor. Right. Uh, Bernard Bristol. Don't know him. Bressor. Bressor. B-R-E-S-S-A-W. Anyway, they were both tall, kind of, you know, dominating chaps. Yes. Um, yeah. And they couldn't decide who to pick, so they got in touch with their agents. And Christopher Lee's daily fee was eight pounds, and uh, Bressel's was ten pounds. So they went with Christopher Lee because he was two pounds less per day, and that's why he got the job, uh, which was his first proper acting, big acting job. Set him up as a friend of Cushing's, set him up in the horror films, and set him up for a lifetime of being a star, basically. Eight pounds a day. Yeah. How many days do you think it took to do his 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 bit in Frankenstein? Oh, uh, I would say I not many. Two? You can bosh all his scenes out in two days, I reckon. Uh, I don't know, because I, don't know. I think they it. might have done it more like uh, linear back then. No, I don't, think, no I don't think they do. I, I, still, do I think it's the, the same sort of thing, isn't it? That you 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 shoot when you've got the people there. So you, you if you have the people for the ending, you shoot the ending first. Yeah, I suppose. Yes, yeah, so he probably made what like sixteen quid for that film. So I I'm guessing he, I'm probably speculating, but I don't think he probably didn't make over thirty two pounds. <laughs> no, for that but film. Nineteen fifty seven. That's like twenty grand. <laughs> that's true, actually. Yeah, in no, no, what what cushion was on. Do we know and, what and a loaf of bread costs like 5p. Yeah, true. 
It's always a good indicator what? of economic prices, low for bread price. Yeah. True. What was the reckon cushion was on? Oh, I don't know. At least 30. 20. 25, 30. 30. Yeah, 30 maybe. A day. Yeah. 30 a day and uh, free food and uh, his own dressing room. Yeah. I reckon it was 10 quid for each cheekbone. <laughs> he's got some yeah. amazing fucking... He's got amazing features. I love yeah, him. he has, yeah. He's beautiful. Like, made for all the parts he does in life. Yeah. You don't want to stroke his face because you'll get a fucking paper cut. It's that sharp. Yeah. It's a very sharp face. <laughs> no, uh, it's not like a cushion. It's not cushion cushion. No, it's not a cushion. It's like a... Sitting on a bed of nails if you sat on his face. <laughs> <laughs> Answering the big questions. Oh yeah, you gotta get we gotta get down to it. What does it feel like if you sit on Christopher Lee's face? Well, I don't know. Quite nice, probably. It looks quite smooth. It's very big, so it'd be like you could probably get two on there. Just like a saddle, yeah. <laughs> uh right, another delight. Moving swiftly on, the painting that Frankenstein Frankenstein showed to Professor Bernstein was a nice hidden little gem. It is a Rembrandt painted in 1632, and it's called The Anatomy Lesson of Dr. Nicholas Tulp. And it depicts the dissection of a hanged criminal for scientific purposes. Lovely. That's nice. Is that that's the, that's the bit where he pushes the professor over the banister, isn't it? Yes, he, yeah. So, yeah. He's showing Look him out! basically something he's already Whoa. done. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, he got away with that pretty easily, didn't he? Very easy. Very, very easy. All you need to do is shout, Look out, Professor, while pushing him over the yeah. uh, the edge of a banister. Yeah. And, do you know what? They never even fixed that banister properly throughout the entire film. They yeah, it was broken the whole time. Across it. Yeah. Stupid. Human. Yeah. It's not like he hasn't got the money either, tight git. No, of course he ain't. Robert Urquhart, Jimmy, who played Paul, was so disgusted with the film when he saw it at the premiere, he stormed out and swore never to do horror again. Which is bullshit. What? what? Is it? I think it was just because of his terrible, terrible acting. It was... That's bullshit, isn't it? Is he trying to say that the whole time... Going through the film, he thought there was some nice, fine Christian film being made until he went to the cinema and saw it. The scenes where he was acting out, chopping up dead bodies and helping him put dead bodies together and resurrecting things and the whole conversations they had and the fights with a monster and he even shot the monster in the head. The whole time, he was fine with it. He thought it was going to be edited to be a nice, lovely film. Is that what he's trying to... Say. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what he said. Maybe he just thought it was a very poor horror film. I mean, he's wrong. I think his acting was very poor. Yeah. He wants to get. He wants to fucking do one. He's probably dead now, anyway. So fuck him. Uh. Okay. Um. Hot take. It's a hot take. I didn't think his acting was that bad compared to everyone else, as well. Not many people in the film, though, to be fair, is there? Well, no. Only a handful. Uh, this was the first of three occasions where Terence Fisher directed Cushing and Lee in horror films, in all of which Cushing played the lead and Lee played the monster. 
The other two being uh, The Mummy, as we already covered before, and The Horror of Dracula is the other. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Cushing plays uh, Van Helsing. Van Helsing. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Good film. Yeah. That's all my frights and delights. Okay, they were they were lovely. Thank you. I've got a little something for you. I'm just going to pour a little bit of Vikings blood, which you can't yes. see, which is annoying because it is very red and very thick. If I want to drink it all, though, I can't. <gasps> Did you just spill some? Yeah, just a little bit. It's fine. It's fine. So. Mm-hmm. I was trying to find real, uh, re- you know how I like to do it lighthearted, find real stories. And I was trying to find a real story of someone putting together a human being. But other than the fucking Nazis, I don't really want to get into it. So yeah, they did a lot of experiments. Weird yeah, stuff. So I've gone for, so I have actually gone for experiments. So they're quite, obviously they're quite lighthearted. So, you know, take it with a pinch of salt. It's fine. Have you made your own uh, experiment? Is that what you're going on with? Uh, well, this one possibly could be. This one okay. could have been something that I, I would do. Uh, sociologist Lord Humphreys often wondered about the men who commit impersonal sexual acts with one another in public restrooms. <laughs> he wondered why tea room sex, which for people out there don't know that, is a fellatio in public restrooms. Uh, led to a majority of homosexual arrests in the United States. Humphreys decided to become a watch queen. Now, now, Joe, I'm sure you know what this person is. It's the person who keeps watch and coughs when a cop or stranger gets near so they can take the cock out of the mouth and cheese it. <laughs> okay. What cheese? Right, so we cheese did the this. cock. That's how it tastes different. <laughs> <laughs> So he did this for his PhD dissertation at Washington University. Throughout his research, Humphreys observed hundreds of acts of fellatio and interviewed many of the participants. He found that 54% of his subjects were married and 38% were very clearly neither bisexual or homosexual. Humphreys' research shattered a number of stereotypes held by both the public and law enforcement. Also, I'm kind of thinking Humphreys was a little bit of a dirty pervert. Yeah, this stinks of a man who got caught cottaging <laughs> and then <laughs> yes. came up with a backstory of, oh, I, actually, I'm uh, I'm doing it for my PhD <laughs> thesis and yeah. I'm just here, <laughs> purely scientific reasons. I, I have a notebook yeah. with diagrams. <laughs> I think you'll find a very anatomically correct and that is for research purposes officer 100% 100% what year was that i haven't got a year for that one but that is that is literally exactly that if you're ever going to go and uh, partake in any illegal activity what i would do is take a notebook uh with a title written in it that sounds like it could be a research paper yes like uh, how the criminal mind robs banks by Joseph Gathercole. And then when I'm caught robbing a bank, I'm going to say, no, look, research. Yeah. 
I'm doing a thesis on it. It's fine. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Right. This one, I'm very more, I'm a little bit more interested in this one. Okay. Uh, in 1822, a fur trader on Mackanak Island in Michigan was accidentally shot in the stomach and treated by Dr. William Beaumont. Despite dire predictions, the fur trader survived, but with a hole in his stomach that never healed. Recognizing the unique opportunity to observe the digestive process, Beaumont began conducting experiments. Beaumont would tie food to a string, then insert it through the hole into the trader's stomach. Every few hours, Beaumont would remove the food to observe how it had been digested. Through gruesome, though gruesome, Beaumont's experiments led to the worldwide acceptance that digestion was a chemical, not a mechanical process. That's interesting, isn't it? Just dipping a bit of food into a hole in a dude's stomach. Yeah, but again, this man has been caught torturing a man. <laughs> Can't <laughs> I mean, be asked this is to all digest torture. my own food. I'm going to cut a <laughs> hole in your stomach so you can digest it. Start it off for me. Get it going. Then I'll no, this. It. Yeah, but this guy had the hole in his stomach anyway. Allegedly, and- yeah. He well, actually, that's a good point. It doesn't say who shot the man. Yeah, I'm guessing it probably was Dr. William Beaumont who shot the man. There's a 50 people buried out back who just died from the gunshot wound first until he found someone who managed to survive. Yeah, with a uh, with a hole in it. Stuff. That, but that's again, that's quite he's got a, a notebook with how to uh, digest food. Through chemical processes, a thesis by total not serial killer, yeah. Mr. Professor. Um, uh, what we don't see is that, that this guy also has a little hole cut out in his toilet cubicle where he pops his willy through. Yeah. <laughs> as well. So he can send For his uh, results fellatio. to his mate over in, uh, I can't remember where it was, the fellatio dude. It was in, where was it? Professor Fellatio in Washington. Right. Here's another one. Interesting one. Another penis-related thing. In 1965, Canadian David Peter Raymer was born biologically male, but after seven months old, his penis was accidentally destroyed during an unconventional circumcision by cauterization. What? Yeah, exactly. This sounds disgusting. John Money, a uh, psychologist and predominant of the idea that gender is learned, convinced that Ramus is that the son would be more likely to achieve success, functioningly, sexually, maturity as a a girl. Basically, accidentally cut his willy off. Right, this dude's going to be better as a girl. Though money continued to report only success over the years, David's own account insisted that he had never identified as female. He spent his childhood teased, ostracized, and seriously depressed, basically because he has no willy and they forced him to be a woman. And at age 38, he committed suicide by shooting himself in the head. That's quite sad, isn't it? Uh, shit, yeah. What age? Uh, 38. And when was this? Uh, 1965, so it had been... So do they do full, like, 
gender reassignment. Like no, they just he just had nothing. No, basically. So there was an accident where his penis was destroyed. But they didn't do any further surgery to. uh, Nope. uh, Nope. Nope. This guy came in and said, "Hold on a minute. Gender is learned, so." He should be a girl now that he's lost his penis. You see, what happens there is there was a, a professor who wanted to prove that gender is learned, so he took a job as a circumcisioner for a bit. Yes. Went, oh, ah, ah, my bad. Good news is yeah. I've got this other research going on. <sighs> that one sucks, actually. It's hard to tell That's terrible, isn't jerk, it? Because that's a nightmare. That I mean, they're all a nightmare. Dude... Can you imagine being the guy in the second story with a hole in your stomach that doesn't heal? How does that not yeah. get infected? Well, it, I, I tell you, it, it's not going to heal when there's a dude sat next to you with a fishing rod dipping chicken nuggets in and out of it every fucking couple of hours, is it? Never going to mm. heal. No, it's not going to heal. God no. damn it. But that, that last one, that's fucking... That's just... That guy's a prick. Anyway, right. Why would you... Next one. Well, no, don't be funny. i got one question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why, if the penis was accidentally removed... At seven months old, yes. Why would you suddenly decide that he needed to be brought up as a girl when he didn't have girl bits either? Well, exactly. This he was just trying to do a test. Was saying. This is what he's saying. He's saying that gender is is learned, and it's not. I mean, which nowadays I I don't know if you could put that phrase learned, but just because this poor young fella at seven months old is had his willy burnt off, yes, he's now automatically got to be a woman, but he's not because in his head he's still a man. Yes, and also he doesn't have a vagina either. Well, yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? I mean you may, just oh, just baffling. bring him up as a man who's had uh, a deforming injury. Yes, but th- but it's this guy, John, John Money, that's now convinced his parents that it would be better for this lad now to grow up as a woman, even though he's not, and he doesn't identify as a woman. It says something socially about how they thought at the time, like, if you don't have a penis, you're a woman. Yeah, you must you be don't, If you didn't have a vagina either, if, like... It's having a penis that's important. <laughs> Terrible, though. Yeah, yeah, he shot yeah. himself in the head. Very sad. Very sad. Yeah. And John Money is an absolute cock. That needs sizzling off. He needs absolutely sizzling off. Right, so anyway, let's get away from that. I'm going to end yes, on please. a bit more of a light-hearted one. From, because this is going on for a bit too long. From 1937 to 1945, the Imperial Japanese Army developed a a covert biological and chemical warfare research experiment called Unit 731. Based in the large city of Harbin, Unit 731 was responsible for some of the most atrocious war crimes in history. Chinese and Russian subjects, men, women, children, infants, the elderly and pregnant women, was subjected to experiments which included the removal of organs from a live body, amputation from the study, for the study of blood loss, germ warfare attacks, and weapons testing. Some prisoners even had their stomachs 
surgically removed and their esophaguses reattached to their intestines. Like uh, fucking human centipede shit. I thought you said this you was a light-hearted that? bit. What? It is. What? It's better than the other bit. Oh, I, no, I don't know. Oh. But like the Nazis and like all these horrible war criminals, many of the scientists involved in Unit 731 rose to predominant careers in politics, academia, business, and medicine. So war crimes apparently pay. It does suck. Like, I mean, the fact that it happened is insane. And you've got to be seriously messed up in the head to think... Well, we've got all these prisoners. I've got a, I've got an idea what we can do. It, it's just mental. And then I yeah. don't get. Did the doctors actually? I don't know. I know there's um the German rocket scientists got jobs at like NASA, but did the doctors who did this stuff actually go on to careers afterwards? There was no repercussions. No, of course not. Probably shit like I don't know, Samsung, Sony, shit like that. That's mental. I feel like we covered something Massive. like this in Scanners. Yeah. I think we spoke about something about the Japanese doctors. Because people don't... People mention the Nazi doctors all the time in World War Two. Obviously, they did stuff just as bad and worse than this. But no one seems to mention the fact that the Japanese did it as well. Yeah, I think they were... Yeah, they were quite horrible. But imagine that! Fucking thinking oh hold on a minute i'm just gonna cut out the middle part the digestive system and i'm gonna sew your throat pipes to your bum pipes yeah straight What's... in straight out like an interesting point of it is after the second world war they found all this documentation and that the, the Germans and the Japanese had actually found out a hell of a lot about the human body through doing these atrocious things. So then you had like this moral question afterwards, like, do we destroy all this because of the way that the information was gained? Or do we use the knowledge that they got from it to do things better in the future? And like, because they learned all this stuff about the human body doing these horrible things, do you get rid of it because it was a horrible way of doing it? Or do you use that information to improve medical practice from now on? What do you do? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it has improved medical practice, but the history of it is disgusting. Anyway, this is supposed to be a light-hearted podcast. We've got very deep there, very dark. Sorry. I think they used it, by the way, in it, because it was people suffered yeah, to get did. the information course right that was lovely that was price of delights what's next big dog <laughs> trying to lighten it up with nicknames <laughs> <laughs> trying to take away from the horrible horrible genocides over the world disgusting experiments yo big there big doll yeah <laughs> all right well it's uh dj joey mcdazzle here moving on to master of the macabre Master of the Macabre. Right, we're slowly stitching together this monster of a podcast, and now it's time for Master of the Macabre. We're going to find out which body part makes the show work. 
Who have you got today, Jimmy? Yeah, that was good. That landed. Um, obviously, there's only there's only one. There's only one. Always, there's only one. But Once. that's obviously it's Peter Cushion. More cushion for the pushing. More cushion oh. for the pushing. Gotta be. I was Baron. Uh, he's Baron, is he? Didn't know that. Nice, <laughs> nice little fact. <laughs> you drop in there, spitting truths all over the place. Because we haven't got the news. audio cues. <laughs> uh, the visual cues. Yeah, we've got audio cues, but I can't see what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Peter Cushion for the pushing is better than Christopher Lee for me in this film. That's nice. Yeah. Christopher Lee, though, does deserve the uh, the mention of being a good Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, I think he was very good in it because he is tall and gangly and they put him in a in a short jacket to make him look bigger. Yeah, he was all right. It didn't require too much from him, to be honest. It wasn't uh, the most challenging role for him that wow. he'd ever done. Ah, they were only paying him eight pound a day. Yeah, don't. Uh, yeah, it's, I'm not going to say any lines for eight pound a day. You get me going, uh, and that's about it. And I'll scream when I get shot in the eye, but that's mostly because the fake blood went in his eye for real. So the the young Victor Frankenstein. Yeah, the twat. Yeah, the young one, the young Baron. He was very annoying because he's been in a lot of British telly since. Oh, has he? An old man. Yeah. Has he done the round? Casualty, EastEnders. Yeah, he's done all that shit. Doctors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's done all that. Like you, like fuck, you'd recognise him. Doctor Who was in Doctor Who quite a lot. Doctors, EastEnders, yeah, Benadorm. Well, the young Victor was very, very annoying. Yeah, his face is annoying now. Yeah, fair enough. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, fuck it. But yeah, Peter Cushion, no ledge. Very good, uh, Baron Victor Frankenstein. I think um, it's about another six films or so he's in. Yeah, we'll get around to them one day. Yeah, I think they're good. I think he's better than the dude in the Universal one. Something about yeah. very annoying about Peter Cushion in this. Very annoying? Yeah, I think that's just the British, though. But I think it's, I think as the character, I mean, I think it's very, very good. Yeah, yeah he is, yeah. Um, it's a bit of a dirty dog as well, because he's banging the maid, and then he's banging his cousin. Dirty. Dirty. Yeah, and he's uh, a dick as well, isn't he, really? Just he's a bit of a dick, Victor yeah. Frankenstein, I think. I don't think he's a bit of a dick in the book. I mean, these films don't really follow the book. They do follow plot points a bit, obviously, but... Kind of, but they I don't think Universal let Hammer do it, so uh, they had to kind of get a little bit more creative. So the sense of it is, the sense of it, but it's not... Yeah, but the Universal not... film, um, first one at least, follows the plot points of the book, but doesn't really stick to the story of the book. No, that that's true. Hugely. Um. Anyway, we're going to get Peter Cushing, I, I believe, and um, yeah, I, I think that his second Master of the Macabre Award. Yes, 
Yeah, this is the second. So should we send him something? Or is this state something special? I'm thinking a gold cushion. Yeah. Yeah. But with needles sticking out of it to represent his face. Because he's yeah, got where sharp his chin face, bones would be. Yeah. Yes. Uh, or you could just have send him a cushion that says for the pushing on it. Yeah, but it will say, yeah, but we'll spell it like Peter Cushion for the portion. Yeah. <laughs> so, who else has got two Master of the Macabre Awards? Because I am sure Vincent Price must have two at least. Oh, yeah, the old VP. VP's got two. Got to. Uh I said earlier, the, the uh, chick with a big forehead. Thorobert. Thora Birch, big TP, TB. For Train and Dark Corners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't know what VP got on for. I think it was Fibes and uh, House on Haunted Hill. Of course what it was. was the first one? Uh, the uh, the Abominable Dr. Fibes. Fibes. Uh, yeah. Sweet. Right, that's, that's Master so, uh, McCarve done. Yeah, PC can go in the vault with uh, VP and uh, TB. TB, <laughs> yep. Lovely. Right, we're going to move on to the Madhouse rating system. Yes! Madhouse rating system. Madhouse rating system. Performance! <laughs> You certainly can't stop this tedious link to MC Hammer. It's <laughs> all I've got. <laughs> no, I like it. It's 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 good. It's good. we've got to do it for every Hammer film now. Maybe a Hammer to Fall joke next time. <laughs> I think it's something. Anyway, what's first? Do you want me to talk about? Well, it's performance. All right, we'll do that first then this time. That's the normal one, isn't it? <laughs> nope, but it's fine. Oh, we'll what's go... the normal one? Sorry, my bad. No, we'll do performance first. Uh, no, number... no, no. You've got to tell me what it is now. Tension and suspense. Oh, deal, 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 tension and suspense. Uh, well, I quite liked its tension. It's dated, and it's hardly high octane by today's standards, but it has those old school moments that make these films. Very rewatchable. I love yep. the uh, the tone of these films. We all know yep. what's going to happen, but the amazing overacting of someone being attacked mixed with the incredible scores works well throughout all the MC Hammer horror films. <laughs> My favourite build of tension here, though, is seeing Paul watch his project and creation, Frankenstein, Slowly turn into Paul's own monster that he can't control or destroy. Oh, very nice. Yes, that's a good take on it. That's it for tension and suspense that I got, though. Uh, what do you want to do? Give it one? Well, yeah, I, I tell you, the only thing that got me very tense about it was the vat of acid that was covered throughout the entire film. That was covered? Uncovered. Uncovered, sorry, yeah. Yeah, just film. laying there Very in a careless. stone basin that I think it would have eaten through. Possibly. 
But there was a scene where they all run by it and they sort of use it as, you know, when you run around a corner and you grab something to turn the corner quickly. Yeah. They all grabbed that, put their hands in it. It's like, there's acid in there. Yeah, don't even oh, have like oh, a, a, bit a warning sign. You're gonna have, you're gonna lose a finger. Um, tension and suspense. Ah, oh, I don't know, man. I'd say I'm gonna say half. I don't know about you. Yeah, give it half. All right, half. Right. So is it now? Down and in out, down out, down the performance. No. Ah, oh, shit. What the fuck? Gore. <laughs> And visual effects. Get touches. <laughs> well, one thing they could touch was Christopher Lee's face. <laughs> because many attempts were made to construct a useful mask or cast of Lee's face that could be reused day after day on set, but nothing suitable could be made to a satisfactory standard. This meant that Christopher Lee was having makeup put on every day from scratch, trying to make it as similar every time that it wasn't noticeably different from the one before. And they just used cotton and everyday materials and makeup to do it because the decision was made the day before to use makeup instead of any prosthetic because they just couldn't make one. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And it does it does look different each it looks time. Wet. It does look wet. And each time, though. But if you think about it, it's going to look different every time in in life, isn't it? Because it's getting more... Because de- it's essentially a live dead body. So it is going to get different. And he's fertling around with it, isn't he? Frankenstein all the time. Yeah, and he's, cut- he's already died twice. And he's cutting it up and he's doing a brain surgery. Shaving bits of air off and stuff. So I think that kind of works with it. And the eyes popped out. Yeah. Got to pop another eye in it. So it's going to look different. So I think that kind of works in its favour that they just did it on the cuff and did it straight away. I don't know. I'm looking at the face and I'm trying to spot the cotton wool. How did they do the cotton wool? Uh, just I've... stick it to his face? Yeah, but it might have just been more for texture. It doesn't necessarily mean like a cotton wool ball jabbed on or anywhere. No, I'm thinking... No, obviously not. But I'm thinking, how do they make it not look furry? Glue? The texture underneath the makeup and stuff, I think. Yeah, okay. I think they did a really good job. I think it. I think it looks... It's good for 1957. Green. Though, is it all it cost? Green. You there yet? Yeah, what did you say? <laughs> says, is that all it cost? Is that all it cost? It, it, it doesn't work if I have to explain. <laughs> have, I said, missed, have I missed the gag? I thought it was really good for 1957. And I said, is that all it cost? <laughs> Oh, wow, that did not land with me. No, I, I didn't land apologize. with an audience Sorry. either because there was about 10 minutes of silence. It's more than Christopher Lee was getting. Yeah, it is. <laughs> His face cost more than he got paid. Shit. Um, okay, I don't... Yeah, okay. I think we should <laughs> give it one for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not done yet. The eye, pop, the eye pop was good. It was good. What do you think? Do you think that puppy was real? The puppy was real when it was alive, because it looked because it, it looked like it moved. What, it did uh, look like a real dead puppy, didn't it? It looked very wet. 
Maybe they filmed the bit where they brought it back to life while it was alive and then killed it for the bit where it was meant to be dead and <laughs> placed it in the shot. It looked, the wrong way. it looked a little bit cruel, that was what I was thinking. I thought that, yeah, because it did flop. It's like a real puppy. There's got to be a story behind that. It, it, yeah, and it, it was soaking wet. Yeah. And there was a point where it looked like there was just a little bit of water in it and it looked like the puppy was moving. Yeah. That looked like they were slightly drowning that poor puppy. Well, I hope they weren't slightly drowning any puppies. Um, I've got a couple of interesting bits about the gore and visual effects for you here. Okay. Uh, due to filming schedules, leaves had to be painted to look autumnal so that they fitted the continuity of the shot of the monster in the woods surrounded by autumnal leaves. Nice. Uh, Hazel Court's costume, that was Elizabeth, uh, was apparently not a costume. It was a genuine Victorian dress passed down over the years. I don't know if it was her family heirloom or if they knit someone else's, but apparently it was a a genuine Victorian dress. And uh, save the best till last, the original cut of the film that was first shown in cinemas showed the head that was removed from the hung criminal being dissolved in the acid on screen. It was replaced after the initial release, after the BBFC, which is the British Broadcasting Foundation of Cunts, I think. I can't remember. I can't remember. Uh, wow. They decided okay. to... Uh, the scene was too much for... <coughs> Bless me. me. They decided the scene was too much for viewers. The scene was cut for all future releases, but I bet that looked so much better than what we were shown. However, we will never know. As the footage was lost for all eternity to the great cutting room floor in the sky. Yeah, I'm annoyed about that because he just sort of... You see him carrying it away in the Hessian wrap or something. And he pops yeah. the head in. Yeah. You don't get to see the head. But I think what more more disturbing is that he takes that Hessian wrap that's covered in this criminal's blood and head. And he shakes it about like he's going to reuse it. For just tea towel. Dishes or something. Death yeah. tea towel, yes! <laughs> Fuming! Yeah, he could have just put disturbing. that in the acid as well. You could put anything in the acid. Just, oh man, I really don't want to clean these clothes or these dishes or anything. I can't be bothered. Just put it in the acid. Yeah, fuck. There we go. Right, go on visual effects. That was nice. One. Yep. So that's one and a half so one far. Okay, next up. Down and out. I don't. Dan of performance. Yeah, pretty good uh, from Cushing, obviously, mostly from Cushing. Uh Hart, you don't seem to think was great. I didn't think he was below average. I thought he was right. Was annoying. Uh, I just get very annoyed that he did this clearly horror film that was clearly doing all the things that he later pretended to be shocked by. Uh, I think he pussied out there. Uh, no extra points for the kissing acting from Cushing. Uh, because that was nah. a lot. But the acting fit the style, I suppose. It was great to watch him uh, going for it in a Hammer film. First of many. Yeah. Yeah, very good. I liked... Um, uh, well, I don't know if I like it, but Cushing... Uh, well, Victor and Paul's relationship was very much like... Uh, Paul was this, ah, um, oh, it it's quite sad to say, but kind of like um, oh, you and me, kind of the, 
well, not really, but <laughs> more of um, like Cushing was this overbearing husband and Paul was his beaten wife. Yeah, everything, everything apparently was Paul's fault. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was always like, you made me do this. You made me do this. I'm hitting you. You're making me hit you. Yeah. You're yeah. making me do this. Yeah. It's kind it, of domestic violence, isn't it? Yeah. And even the way Frankenstein got him to the house to teach him in the first place was saying, like, leading him on that there was an adult baron there. Oh, yeah. He's been a little prick tease. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know if he was being a prick tease. <laughs> I think he was. I think Paul turned up thinking he was going to get some. Ah. Uh, no video, but uh, it ended up being a weird, kind of a weird marriage that he just happened to live there then for forever. Yeah. And it was always his fault. Always something went wrong, and it was always Paul's fault. They seemed to be having a really good fault. time up until the stitching dead bodies bit happened. Yeah, and then this chick showed up, and he was like, oh, hold on a minute. We can have a night off of the cock. There's some titties around. Yeah, and Paul was all about it, and he was like, "No, you can't fuck your cousin. I'm gonna have a go." Yeah, you've already bagged the maid. Exactly, you can't have the maid and your cousin. That's just wrong. All right, so what we're giving it for performance? Well, performance, I give it one for Cushion and Lee because they're because they're absolute idols and classics. Okay, That's so what's that? Two and a half out of three. Okay. Down and out, down and out, down and out. Music court and sound effects. Uh, uh, <laughs> that one, that uh, one doesn't uh, fit quite uh, as well. None of it does. <laughs> it's a classic bit of orchestral soundtrack going on. The score was clearly written for the moments in the film as they happened, not just a piece of music to be used whenever, um, as a score should be. I don't like it when someone just writes music and it's like, there you go, use that in it, and then it's just kind of cut and chopped in into the the film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you mean, yeah. So I think I think it's really good. I quite liked it. It's not I catchy. Because like it it's not constant, is it? Because you get those moments in it where it's yeah. just silent. Yeah. There's no score. And it's just the actors. I quite like that. I think you can get overwhelmed by constant score. That makes sense. And then it, because I was sitting like when I was watching it the other night, I was like thinking about this one, and I was at that point where there was no score, and I was like, oh, no score, yeah. Oh, I have to give it, I have to give it nothing for no score. But then, hold on, something happens, and then bang, the orchestra's in. It's like it's the double it, basses there going do 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 do. Do, 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 can't kill him. Do, 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 do. Exactly. MC Hammer drops in and it's like, oh, holy shit, this guy is timeless. Yeah. <laughs> what are we giving yeah, it? Yeah. Quite, quite. Well, what are we giving it? I probably. Uh, I'd probably give it. Like, what are you saying? Well, three and a half. Uh, I would. Well, we're on two and a half, aren't we? All right, two and a half. Let's go for a, a score for musical score and sound effects. So, 
Uh, that would put us at three and a half, would it? Okay, three and a half. Okay. Bang. Bang, bang. Right. Last one. Overall experience. I, I would put this up at a four out of five. Nice. So that would uh, be 0.25 each from us or just 0.5 from me. Yeah, I agree. I think it's good. I think they only get better, though. Well, should we give it three and a half so we've got room for improvement? I think we need to give it room for improvement. Okay. I think we should leave it at three and a half because I think they only get better. Revenge of is very good. Frankenstein. Uh, no. What's the other one? Uh, Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell was very good. Enjoy that one. Yep. There's a... What else is there? You mentioned revenge, haven't you? Frankenstein must be destroyed. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah. Right, well, we've got it. Three out of five. Boom. Three and a half out of five. Yeah. Yeah, because then they... Yes. Yes. There's room for improvement. Lovely. It's time for my film choice, Jimmy. Oh, shit. Okay, hold on. Let me have a swig of my fucking blood. It's, uh, I've got another easy one for you. Oh, what? Easy? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know why, but I, I don't know. Well, everyone I pick just has a decent description. Sometimes with the uh, name of the film in the description. <laughs> so you just tell me when you're ready. Okay, I'll have a I'll have a cheeky little swig. Okay. Mm. Christ, I didn't see the sides. <laughs> right, ready. I'm gonna take a guess at how many words it's gonna take you again. I like to do that when I think you're gonna get it easily. Oh shit! Three Pressure, words. Though. I think you'll have this in three words. Pressure's on. Two. Lighthouse keepers. That's the lighthouse. Yes. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Try to maintain their sanity while living on a remote and mysterious New England island in the 1890s. <laughs> Fucking hell. Wow, we're going for this, are we? Yeah, I've not this seen this I've... yet. What? I've not seen this yet. Oh, shit. This is a bit highbrow for us, boy. Is it? Yeah, fuck. Nah, we'll be fine. We're highbrow people. What are you talking about? We just did a... My, That's true. Uh, my Zoom name is Wankensteins Dongler. I'm like, <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, that's going to be fun. I've wanted to watch this for ages, not, and I haven't. So, But now I will. It's, I know you've it, seen it. Yes, it's very good. Very good. Very arty. It was between this and another film that you don't like, I think, which I'm not going to oh, mention because okay. it doesn't mean I'm not going to pick All it right. one day. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, sweet. Okay. It's time for a band plug, Jimmy. Okay. This is a song, Graveyard Lover, by the Dead Note. 
That was Graveyard Lover by The Dead Next Door, and while this band is no longer together, a few members have formed a new band called Left Hand Black, so check them out, and we may have some of their stuff on here soon. And as for us, don't forget to subscribe to the Madass Podcast, give us a sexy five-star review, follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and please send your most insane, unholy creations to askifwecould at notifwishould.com. Jimmy and myself will see you in a few weeks' time for our next episode on The Lighthouse. Down and out. Can't help. Can't help. Can't touch this. Yeah!